real quick before we jump into the sermon. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity to be here to worship you. I pray, dear God, that the songs that we just sang would ring in our ears as we go into this sermon. And Lord God, that you'd bring them back to mind. We sing them with such gusto and such passion. I pray, dear God, that we would be thinking about you during this sermon with that same passion. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right. So we're kicking off this new series called Finding Jesus. Okay, Finding Jesus as we're leading up to this, this season of Christmas and Christmas Day. And so as I'm going through this series, I'm thinking to myself, okay, um, how can we kind of lay this out? I started asking myself some questions like, why, why, why is it so important? Why is it such a big deal to find something that's lost? You think about it. You lose something, you lose something. Why is it such a big deal to find something that's lost? And why do, why do we even bother looking? And why do we celebrate once we find that thing? That's Why do we get so excited when we lose something and then we find what's lost? And that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to read from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around him to hear him. But, G, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One of the themes that we're going to hear a lot is going to come up over and over again in, during this series. This is this, this, this idea that once we find Jesus, we truly find ourselves. Once you find Jesus, you really find yourself. And another theme that surfaces is God's desire to be in, 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 in with us, to be found by us. And then God's just overwhelming joy once we find him. Once we find him, there's this overwhelming rejoicing. God wants to be found and have fellowship with us. God's not hiding. He wants to be found. As humans, we're in a constant search, right? Think about it. We're, 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 we search for meaning, we search for identity, we search for truth, we search for purpose. We, search, we, are, we are searchers. When we lose something, we search for it. We search for our keys, right? I mean, if you, I would like to know the statistic of how much time we spend in life searching for our keys, right? Your keys or your wallet or your remote. I mean, how, I don't know how many times I've spent... Seriously, instead of just getting up and just pushing the buttons on the TV, you spend a half hour searching for the remote. And then as the time goes on, the remotes get smaller and smaller, correct? Right? The Netflix, ever seen the Netflix remote? This is wrong, my friends. Something, no one, these people need to get it right. The remote should not be getting smaller, it should be getting larger. This is what I'm talking about right here. This is what the remote should look like this. Right? Should be, you know, honey, where's your, oh, forget, I found it. Right? It should be the size of, of an old VCR or something. You have like a wire hanging from it. It'd be like bright colors. It should glow in the dark or something. Because it should get larger, not smaller. Because we lose it all the time. We search. People search for things that other people have lost. Human beings love to find lost things. Treasure. How many shows do you watch about treasure hunters, Right? A ship goes down, this goes down, this is lost. Whatever it is, we want to search for it. X marks the spot, baby. Right? You want to find what someone someone buried millions of dollars up in those hills and blah, blah, blah. And people go and spend years searching. Even if it's mythical, they, go, they spend years searching for what they think they, they, they just might find. I remember living in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, right near Asbury Park. And we go, we, people, on, you know, when everybody was off the beach, you remember, you know who you see on the beach after everybody was off the beach? Right? Right, exactly. Those guys combing the beach, right, with the metal detector, trying to find something that someone else lost. At church, we have a lost and found. Make it easy for you. You lose it. Some of you guys lose things and you don't care if you find it. It just stays in the lost and found forever. Especially your Bibles. Go get them. All right. So... <laughs> Well, that's a nice Bible. I have like lots of Bibles in my office. Probably you guys left behind. So I tell you what, losing Bibles, I lost, sincerely, I lost my first Bible. My youth pastor gave me a Bible. It was like a real, it was, had a green cover. And, uh, and, and, and I wrote, I wrote, you know, when you first come to Christ, 
all these thoughts are going through your mind. You go from darkness to light and you're like, God, save me. And, and so you have all these feelings and all these emotions and I wrote them all down. And I personally think someone actually stole my Bible. We won't get into that. But my Bible is gone. And honestly, I think about it still to this day. It was like I was like 17 years old, 18 years old when that Bible was taken or lost. Um, and I still think about it now. Every once in a while, I'll think maybe it's in a box or, you know, I'm going through some. Maybe I'll find that Bible. I lost that Bible. And, and it still bothers me to this day. Cindy Lou Who was searching, you know, trying to find the true meaning of Christmas. As human beings, we're in a constant search. Search for truth, search for identity, search for purpose, search for me. We search for things. And during this series, we, are, we really truly want to, to find Jesus. To truly find out who Jesus is and, and, and what he means for our lives. When you're searching for things that you've lost, what I've noticed also is that you search much more diligently and aggressively, if you will, for things that you think have the most value. If something's valuable to you, it causes the most intense searches. I'll give you an example. Ever lose, ever lose your child at a amusement park or in the mall or anywhere? Ever, ever misplace your child for, I don't care how long it is. And the intensity that you feel. I remember we were in Marblehead. We lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts. And I think Jen was maybe two. One or one and a half or two. And we were getting out of the car and, you know, getting all the stuff out of the car and the kids were getting out of the car. Kim and Jen were getting out of the car. All of a sudden, Jen was gone. We were at home. And I don't, the, the, the feelings, and many of you completely understand what I'm talking about, this feeling of absolute terror that you go. I started, where's Jen? And Deb was like, where, where did she go? And I started running down the street because I thought it was just moments ago. She was right there and now she's gone. Someone had grabbed her and started running. I ran down the street. Deb was running around. And then, you know, come on, like 30, 20 seconds later, it felt like an hour and a half, but probably 20 or 30 seconds less than that. She comes walking around the car. She was just on the other side of the car. Where we couldn't see her. But when you lose something of great value, you want to find it. And the greater the value that thing has for you, the more intense the search. If you lose something that you really care about, one of your, your, your most prized possessions, you're going to try to find that thing. Finding things that you love that were once lost, as I said, even for just a moment can create the most... And when you find it, okay, when you find it, 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 it brings about this incredible joy, right? You thought you lost your wallet and all your stuff's in your wallet, man. Like, now you have to go and turn, you get your credit cards, whatever, and you got to go and find this and your light, go back to the motor vehicle and get your license redone. And all of a sudden you find it and it brings about this amazing joy, right? This intense joy in your life. And, and emotions, especially if it's like a child that you lose for just even a moment, and then oh, oh, there they are. It brings this, these emotions. At first, you're like, first, you're first, you're like so excited. Oh, there they are. And then you get like, where'd you go? Where are you? <laughs> you get frustrated because your emotions are all over the place because you found what was lost. You have found your most precious possession. Luke 15 just reminds us of this truth. God is searching. He's searching for a relationship with us. 
And when we find him, when we find him, there is this incredible, intense rejoicing that goes on. That God just, he, he, that we're part of that relationship, we're, we're, we're connected to him. There's this re- intense rejoicing. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 9, it puts it this way. And when she finds it, talking about the lost coin, obviously, he's talking about more than a lost coin here. He's talking about relationship. She finds her friends and her neighbors and to get them all together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Rejoice with me. They're dancing in the streets. I have found something so precious to me. And there's nothing more precious to God than us. And there should be nothing more precious to us than Christ, than God. There should be nothing in this world more precious. We should be seeking after him with all of our hearts, all the time. Consistently, how do we get to know him better? How do we build a deeper relationship with him? When we find Jesus, we find peace. We find joy. We find contentment. We find all of those things when we find Christ in our lives. That contentment that we've been longing for, that we've been missing. We can find that in our lives and it helps us overcome so many of the other struggles that we face. And sometimes you say, well, I've been coming to church and I don't have. Well, there's a reason sometimes you don't you don't find that that peace and that joy and contentment. There's a difference between. Well, I'll get into that later. There's a difference between coming to church and finding Christ, seeking after God. But even those who would say they have a relationship with Christ. Even those people who say would say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus, often make choices that bring pain and loss. The loss of that joy, that loss of peace, that loss of contentment. You come to know Christ or you ask Christ to come into your heart, whichever words you want to use, and then you make life choices that then rob you, you lose, and I'm talking losing your salvation, but you, you, you lose that contentment. You lose that joy. You lose that peace. And you're like, where? I kind of got off track here. I don't, I don't have that, that, that I once had. I, it could be for some of you, 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 you make choices and then you, it's a loss of reputation. That's harsh, right? You've built up this reputation and all of a sudden you make some choices in your life and you, you kind of lose that, that reputation or, or you, 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 you lose the feeling of value that you once had. You make some choices and then you, you felt like when you were in Christ, you knew your identity, you knew who, who you were and all of a sudden you start drifting off and you're not trying, you're not seeking after him anymore and all of a sudden maybe you're in college and you kind of, you're going to do your college thing for four years. And all of a sudden at a certain point in college, you're like, I don't feel the same peace, the same joy, the same contentment, the same connectedness, the same that I used to feel. I kind of, who am I now? I mean, who am I? I know I, I do love God. I am a Christian, but I'm not living that way. So who, who, who exactly am I? It's a loss of identity in so many ways. It's a, it's a loss of that feeling of when you make, when you make those choices, even in yourself, God still values you. You don't lose value to God, but in our own hearts and our minds, we feel like we have lost that feeling of value of who we are. We often drift away from God and make choices that that shake us spiritually or break us emotionally, even as believers 
we make these choices, then it, it shakes, it shakes us spiritually, but in emotion, from an emotional standpoint, it sometimes, it breaks us, it breaks us emotionally. But when we end up finding Jesus, when we, when we find Jesus, we find again our true selves. We find what, what was once lost. And I use this all the time, and I'm just going to keep using it because I just think, if you've never heard it before, it, it's a little helpful. But, you know, sometimes we walk away and we walk away from God and we, we walk away. And after a certain point, you realize how far you've walked away. And then you start feeling guilty and you start feeling shame and you start feeling all this pressure and Satan's putting all these things on you. But what you don't realize is you may have walked away from him, but he never walks away from you. So as soon as you turn around, he's like right there. Right. That's the cool thing about being a believer. He's right there. But it doesn't stop sometimes the fact that we make choices that lead us to a place where we feel distanced from God. But when we when we when we find Jesus, finding Jesus, when we find him, we reclaim what we had lost. We reclaim those things. We begin to understand who we are once again. The truth is, here's the thing. The only way. The only way that you can find what you're looking for in this life is to find Jesus first and then to put whatever you're looking for in an eternal context. You say, oh, well, I want to I find someone that's spent the rest of my life. That's great. That's, that's a good thing. Okay, wonderful. I want to find that job that brings me. I mean, I get up in the morning. And I want to. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Wonderful. But you need to find Jesus first. And then fit those things in an eternal context. Once you find Jesus, once you're walking with him, once you have that relationship with him, once you are seeking after him, consistently seeking after him, all those other things are great to have, right? If you want to find someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, wonderful. If you don't, wonderful. If you want to, ju- want, all those things are wonderful. I'm not criticizing any of them, but they should be found in the context of seeking Christ first. That's how, that's how this works. And when you do it backward, that's where you make mistakes. That's where you drift away. That's where you, you find yourself at one point in your life sitting back, whether you're 65 or 85 or 25 going, how did I get here? I, I don't, I don't feel connected the way I used to feel connected. In John chapter 1, we talked about this in the last series, but I just, I'm going to bring it back up here. In John chapter 1, 40 through 42, it says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, listen, we have found the Messiah. They've been looking. They've been, they've been searching. Okay. They've been searching. We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew knew that the answer to the longing in his heart was finding Jesus. He understood it. Ultimately, the answer to that longing, every single one of us in the room have a longing in our hearts. And the answer to the longing in your heart is finding Jesus. Finding Jesus has a way of redefining, totally, if you will, redefining our lives and our priorities when we find him. Well, we're not just kind of going through the motions. Going through the mo- I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I've I got to be careful how I say this, but going through the motions spiritually, or I don't know I use the word religiously or whatever, is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. 
And all it brings at the end is people who say, it didn't work. I tried it and it didn't work. Of course, it's not going to work. It's not, it's not what, how God designed you. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about finding Jesus. It's not, going, going through the motions is not what we're talking about. When you find Jesus, it redefines your life. It redefines your priorities. See, Matthew thought, Matthew thought that making money and by being a tax collector, okay, he, he, Matthew thought that that's what mattered most in life until he found Jesus, right? Matthew was cleaning up. I'm sure he was out. He was cheating people. He was living high on the high on the hog. Man, he had it all. He thought he thought that making money by being a tax collector was what mattered most in life until he until he found Jesus. Paul thought he was going to be a zealot man who wiped out Christianity until he found Jesus or should I say until Jesus found him. But he thought, oh, this is, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm zealous for this and this really matters and this has priority until he found Jesus. You go out to the New Testament, it, you can, you can put a name down there and you're gonna do the exact same thing. They thought this until they found Jesus, until they found Jesus. When you find Jesus, everything else comes into focus. See, here's the thing, guys. Uh, these other things still have their, their place in your life. They still have their place. They just don't take first place. That's the difference. They still have a place in your life. So don't, don't say, well, no, you're not allowed to do anything. They, no, you, you can do these things. You can, you can go out and do your sports and you can get your, in, your careers are awesome and getting married and relationships and all of them are just fantastic, but they find their place. They just don't take first place. They become secondary to our connection to him. Here's the cool thing. But once, once, the closer we are to Christ, the closer we are to those things, those things, they bring, it brings even more excitement, more, it's even more dynamic. The relationships are even more than you ever could have asked or imagined. But it's getting closer to Christ that brings that about. They become secondary to our connection to finding Him and our place in Him. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, go back to, to uh, this whole, this, this uh, Andrew and, and Peter. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Listen to these words, okay? Listen to them. Write them down, whatever you need to do. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Why? Jesus was the priority. They were searching. They were seeking him. They were trying to find him. They found him. He said, drop what you're doing. That's your career. Okay, I have, I'm, I have, an, I have a new career for you. you dro- they j- immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. Why? Because he's the priority. When Jesus becomes the priority, everything else changes. When Jesus Christ becomes a priority in your life, everything else changes. The unclean become clean. The weak become strong. The blind, the spiritually blind begin to see. The proud become humble. The lost become found when they, when they, when they truly find Jesus Christ. The fool becomes wise when they find Christ. Those, those who are broken become whole 
when they find Christ. The captive is set free when they find Christ. Things change. Everything changes when we find Jesus Christ. If you're weak, when you find Jesus, you become strong. Why? Because you were you were always no no. Because now now you understand what the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is in your life. When you seek after Him, here's the thing. Some of us are just dabbling in our faith. We're dabbling, and then it then again I'm going to come back to this. Then it doesn't work. I I dabbled and it didn't work. No matter what you dabble in, it's not really going to work. You can't dabble in your faith, but when you seek after God, when you seek Him, you will find Him. When you're trying to find Christ and you do find Him, everything else changes. The problem is for many people in their search to understand the world, and their, listen, in their search to understand the, the, to understand the world and their place in it, they get lost. Again, going to college, going off into the, into your first job and places like that sometimes. You, you, you're seeking to understand the world and my place in it. And in seeking the world and your place in it, you get lost. You, you, you basically get lost. It's what Pastor David was talking about last week. Instead of, instead of seeking True fulfillment, we try to replace the truth with with other things, with something else. It's a principle or a Jeffism. I have different Jeffisms, and you guys know me long enough, and they'll come out. And I may have shared this with you. I think I've shared this with you before, but one of my Jeffisms is the idea of something is usually better than the reality of it. Right? Think about that. The uh, vacations, pets. All right. Vacation. Oh, man, you're going to go on this vacation and you've been planning this vacation for a year and you got all the pictures and it's this pristine lake and it shows people catching fish about yo big and they're lined up. There's just so many fish. They practically jump into the boat. You know what I'm saying? And then you get there. And you get skunked fishing. You can't catch anything. You thought they were going to jump into the boat. Right. And it's raining. Right. And it costs a fortune. Now you go home broke with no fish and wet. You know what I'm saying? The idea of something is sometimes or often better than the reality of it. Pets are a perfect example. You want a good pet? Get a turtle. I'm serious. Turtle. I have turtles. They're awesome. Okay. They poop. You don't know it. They poop. It's like dirt. It's like, hey, did you poop last year? They don't bark. Right? You get a dog. You get a cat. What do you picture with a cat? Oh, laying in front of a fire and the cat's on your chest. That's what you picture in your mind. The idea of the cat. The idea of the dog. You know what dogs do? They get you up in the middle of the night to go out to go to the bathroom. Or they go to the bathroom in your house. Or they scratch your furniture. Or the cat scratches you. People have cats. Oh, look at my, they, 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 look at my scars. Where you see your scars, right? They scar you. Get a turtle. Okay, put it in a big thing. I have, t- I have some turtles. They live outside, for goodness sake. Know where they are right now? They're underground until the spring. I don't name them. <laughs> They're just out there. Hey, look, a turtle. See you. I'm going on vacation. What do you have to do with your dog? Put it up. Cost you more than vacation. All right, I'll just leave it alone. All right. So the idea is something, but people try to replace, you try to replace Christ with something else. But the, the, here's the deal, okay? The idea of that thing is often, almost always, better than the reality of that thing. Give you some examples. Romantic or physical relationships. 
you try to replace Christ, okay, you try to replace Christ with someone else. You think the fulfillment, once you have this relationship, it's going to answer all of your problems. It's what you've been waiting for. If I could just find this person, nothing, let me, let me go back. Nothing wrong with trying to find that person. There is nothing wrong with trying to find them. As long as they be, as long as you're trying to find Christ first, you have a deeper, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and then that person fits into the relationship that you have with Him, then you will find the right person because you will base all of what your choices are about your, upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. You look at the Word of God and say, what kind of person do I want to spend the rest of my life with? If Christ is not the priority, if you're not seeking and finding Him, then who you will find? It's a flip of the coin. Good luck. Good luck. Oh, they're so, I'm so attracted to this person. They're my soulmate. That sounds great when you're 20, whatever. Try when you're 50, whatever. Honestly, you want to find your best friend. You want to marry your best friend. You know how you find your best friend? You base it upon the word of God. You base it upon the person that if a person is seeking after God, if they put God first and you're putting God first, you know what kind of amazing relationship you're going to have? So we try to find, but the problem is we try to jump ahead and replace Christ with another person. And somehow if I could just find, if I could just find a career, nothing wrong with a career, right? Not, there's nothing wrong with a career. But when you start looking for that fulfillment, that it, it's, it bec- the job becomes more, more important. The activity, you're really looking for the activity itself. I want to be fulfilled. And when I find my, when I get to the, this place in my company, I will find fulfillment. No, you won't. If Christ is the priority and he comes first and then you seek after your career and all those things, then yes, then you will, you will find a career that you absolutely love because you'll be at work on purpose. You'll be engaged. You'll be reaching out. You'll be using your gifts, talents, and abilities to serve the Lord within that career. And yes, it will be a fulfilling thing for you. But ultimately, it has to come in relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people... Some people even try to replace Christ with religion. Okay? They try to replace Jesus Christ with religion. And I, and I, I need to um, kind of preface this a little bit. Um, please, please try not to take offense for the next 10 minutes. All right? Please try not to take offense because I don't mean it to be offensive. I want to tell you these things because I really love you and I care about you. Um, the religious leaders in... Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it basically, I'll read it again, says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to, to hear him. Because Jesus wanted relationship. He wanted, to, he wanted people who were sinners and didn't know him to come into a relationship with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He's horrible. See, I'm worried about some people within the church. Not just our church and churches in general, but I'm, I'm going to focus on our church sometimes you can be very religious. Um, you can go to church on a consistent basis. You're, you're more consistent than, than some other people. But I'm not sure if you've ever truly found Jesus. Religion's a dangerous thing if it keeps you from finding Jesus Christ. In some cases, I'm not really questioning... Now, in some cases, hear, and hear me out, I'm not... 
I've got to be real careful. I'm not God. I don't know who, is, who, who knows Christ as our Lord and Savior and who doesn't. Okay, so in some cases, what I'm talking about right here, I'm not questioning your your your, your salvation, um, just your understanding of what it means to truly live for Him. That's what I'm questioning. Do you truly understand what it means to live for Him? And and I say that because it's reflected in sometimes your lack of desire to serve, lack of desire to give. Um, and just the choices, the life choices, in a sense, that we make in our lives. It, that's where it's reflected in our, in our life choices. I don't know. I'm talking from, from, you know, eight years old to 88 years old. That's why sometimes I, I, I'm concerned. When you find Jesus, you know, uh, when you find Jesus, um, Jesus doesn't fit into your life. You fit into his that's something we need we need to understand. Here's the thing, and especially if you're uh, well, everybody, okay. If if you are seeking after God, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you He doesn't fit into your life and your choices. You fit into His. So when I have a relationship with Christ, it changes the music that I listen to. I'm not telling you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you. I'm not talking about style of music. Oh, that rap music. Blah, blah, blah. No. Some great rap music is awesome, okay? But it changes the kind of music you listen to. You don't just put on the radio or put on your favorite whatever because you like the beat, but don't listen to the words when the words are terribly offensive. It changes the movies or the TV shows that you watch. It, 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 it just does because of when you read the Word of God. It, a matter of fact, I, I've told you this before, I loved, I still love hockey. I was a big Rangers fan, and Nick Fatiu was my favorite player. You know why? Because Nick Fatiu was literally a Golden Gloves boxer on skates. He was an enforcer. In the 70s, okay, early 80s, it was like hockey was, you know, fist fighting. It was awesome. Well, I shouldn't say it. When I was, when I was a teenager, it was, it was, that's why I watched it a lot of the time. But then I read in Proverbs that not to hold up a brawler is an example that you follow. And I stopped liking Nick Fatiu as my favorite player. Because it changed, the, it changed because God said so. Don't hold up someone who's a golden, gate, golden gloves boxer on skates as your favorite player because he's just a brawler out to beat people up. And that's not who you should be looking up to. And I said to the Lord, okay, then I'm going to stop doing that. It, 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 he changes the way we search on the web. He changes the way the places that we go and the people that we spend, the people that we date, for example, changes the, the way we date other people. He changes the words that we use. Or choose not to use. He changes the amount we drink. You're not going to ever get. No one's ever going to get me in saying that. Oh, I'm against. You can't drink. Any, no one can drink. But it, but a relationship with Christ determines how much you drink. There's nothing wrong with having a beer. If you want to have a beer, watching the game, whatever. You get drunk though. You cross that line. It should change the way we think about how much we drink, what kind of words we use, what kind of sites that we visit, what kind of TV shows and movies that we watch. It just, it just should have an impact on our lives. Finding Jesus means finding a different path for us, a different path than the world follows. In, in Jeremiah 6.16, it says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. 
rules. But you said, I will not walk in it. I'm not sure if some people realize um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen to this. And all are justified. Write that word down if you can. Justified freely by his grace through redemption that came through Jesus Christ. If you're a follower, walk with me on this one. Don't lose me on this, okay? This, is, this may not be the most dynamic sermon you've ever heard in your life, but for me, it's one of the most important. Okay, as we go into a new year, who are we going to be? Are we going to really try to find Jesus? Or are we going to just kind of go through the motions? So let me explain to you what a follower of Jesus Christ is. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have been justified. Okay? The word justified means to be declared righteous. You have been declared righteous in your standing with God. When you ask Christ to come into your life, you are covered with the blood of Christ. Okay? And in standing with God the Father, you are, you are declared righteous. One of the best ways to remember justification is just as if I've never sinned. Just as if I've never sinned. So you've been justified. So a follower of Jesus Christ has been justified. You have also, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are being sanctified. That's important. Sanctification is an ongoing process. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, listen, it says this. Listen to the words. Listen to the words. This is, this is, so, this is so important to your life. This could change everything. Everything in your life. And I know some of you haven't even ever heard these words. So just try to understand the concepts for a second here. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. When you gave your life to Christ, okay, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. To sanctify someone or something is to set that thing or person apart, if you will, for the designer's intended use. So that thing, that sanctified thing is set apart for the designer's intended use. When you use a pen to write a letter, it is sanctified. Because it's being used by the, for the, the intended, what, what the, the designer intended. When you put on your gla- when you put on eyeglasses, your eyeglasses are sanctified when they are used to improve your sight. If you have glasses, you put them on, there's nothing actually there, they're just like holes because you want to look. I wouldn't, that they're not, in a sense, sanctified, if you will. It's being used as the designer intended it to be used. In a biblical sense, in a sense, things are sanctified when they are used for God's purpose. A person is sanctified when they live according to God's purposes, according to God's design. The Greek word for sanctification, if you use the word sanctification, means becoming holy. Okay? So to, to sanctify means to make holy. When you are sanctified, it's an ongoing process. You're constantly becoming holy, becoming more and more righteous, becoming more and more like Christ. You have been set apart. You have been justified just as if I'd never sinned. Okay. So in standing with God, you have perfection. Now you are trying to live out that perfection. You're trying to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's why when you're, when you can, when you ask Christ to come into your life, you can be no more perfect in God's eyes than you are the moment you ask him to come into, into your life. 
But then God says, now I want you to be tried to the best of your ability, to the best of your ability to become more like my son, Jesus Christ. And that's that sanctification. That's the ongoing process. We need to realize, my friends, that following Jesus, following Jesus means really, really means following Jesus. We say, I'm a follower of Jesus That actually means that we need to follow Jesus and whatever Jesus is doing, wherever Jesus is going, we need to be a part of that. Like Pastor David said last week, he basically laid out, it's not just the idea of following. See, we like that. Everybody likes the idea of following Jesus, but that's not going to get you anywhere. The idea of following Jesus. It's actually following him, changing our lives and following him. I'm going to, I'm going to, if you have your Bibles, turn to first John chapter two. First John chapter two. Listen, listen to what it says. First John chapter two, verses uh, starting in verse three and going through verse six. We know that we have come to know him. Listen, we know we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone who obeys his words, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. This is important stuff. And not just because it's important because if you truly want to find peace, you feel it, truly want to find joy, you truly want to find contentment in your life, then we need to follow him. We need to seek him. We need to try to find him with all of our hearts. And we need to try to be like him. We need to be like him. Finding Jesus is seeking after righteousness. And I honestly... Let me go, righteousness and holiness. Let me define for you holiness. It, 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 this isn't the, the overall definition, but it's it's basically consecrated to God's service. You are you you are you are you are, you are going to serve God with all of your heart. You're consecrated to God's service. Conformed. Listen to these words. In all things, you're conformed in all things to the will of God. Conformed in all things. So the question that we have to ask ourselves as we close out here this morning is, are we seeking after, are we seeking after righteousness when it comes to how we use our cell phones? You think, what are you talking about? You might think about it. Really? Think about it. Are we seeking after righteousness with how we use our words? Are we seeking after righteousness by how we treat other people when we're dating them? Are we seeking after righteousness and holiness by how we treat other people when we're at work? Are we seeking after righteousness? Are we seeking after righteousness and, 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 and holiness in our lives? And I, I'll be honest with you. I know, I know that this, this is not the most popular thing uh, to talk about when it comes to the modern uh, church culture. I know these things, these words that I'm using, justification and sanctification and righteousness and holiness and all these things don't really fit anymore to our modern church culture. But we weren't called to fit into our modern church culture. We were called to be to, to, to be followers of God's designed will for our lives and purpose. And here's, here's some of the things we need to be careful of. These things aren't written just for, uh, you know, who cares? In 2 Peter, in Second Timothy 4, 3, it reminds us of this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. It's getting harder and harder to find Jesus. It really is. But here's the cool thing. How much more dynamic will it be once you find him? 
It's getting harder and harder, but how much more dynamic? How much more is God going to do in your life? And here's the thing. He's not avoiding you. He's not playing a, a cosmic game of hide-and-go-seek. He's not, okay? He's not, he's not avoiding you. God is right there. He wants us to find him. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God was speaking to Israel, but the principle applies to us as well. It doesn't change. So the question is, are you looking Okay, we're talking about finding Jesus. Are you looking? Are you looking as if you are looking where you're looking for your lost child? Are you trying to find him as you as if you were trying to find your most pre, most precious possession? See, we are coming up on Christmas, the most wonderful, the most wonderful time of the year. And as you're trying, as you're running around trying to find that perfect gift, the very per, the most amazing gift. Don't forget. He already came, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. If you seek him, you will find him because he's been searching for you all along. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And Father, I, I know that these aren't always the easiest things to hear for any of us, for me, as I write this. But God, I just pray with all of my heart, that we would truly, truly seek after you, Lord. That we would lay aside our, even our emotions sometimes and our, sometimes our spirits just go against the things that we've been talking about this morning. That's just our nature, our sinful nature. We love the world sometimes more than we love you. And Lord, it's important that we come to the realization that's just the case. But you love us with all of your heart. You want us to have the most amazing relationships. You want us to have the most amazing career. You want us to have the desires of our hearts, Lord God. But only, those things can only be found in a right relationship with you. So I pray that we would leave this place, Lord God, me included. That we truly look into our hearts and see where, where in our lives we're not allowing holiness and righteousness, Lord, to be lived out. What are we holding on to? What are some things that we're holding on to that, that we won't let go, that we won't submit to your authority? Whether it's our computers or the TV or the movies or the music that we listen to, whatever. Lord, God, I pray that you'd break down, you'd break those barriers down and help us not to be confronted by a friend or a pastor or whatever, but just to confront ourselves and say, where do I need to change? Where do I need to become more righteous and holy in my life? Because it's only in seeking righteousness and holiness that we're going to find you. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Your word is absolutely clear. So God, I pray that we wouldn't be mediocre. I pray with all of my heart that we would not be just going through the motions here in this church. That we wouldn't be self-righteous, Lord God. We wouldn't be legalistic. Would we just be human beings recognizing that we fall short and that we want to be more? We want more. We want you. Because without you, nothing else matters. So we love you and we praise you, Lord God. And we give you this time together in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great